0: I've known your name for a really, really, really long time. Um, mm. ever since Ben Wolf and I went to CCSD in San Diego, probably in 2010. I think he was rocking your kit. And I was like, Oh, what's I He's like, Oh, it's my coach and da-da-da. And this is where we live. And so um, I've always known your name, but mm-hmm. glad to finally connect and yeah. uh Same. Yes, small world. That's super small world. Yeah. So I'm excited to uh, chat, training, racing. I think it's been really interesting just kind of been doing some of these podcasts and I love having other coaches on because everyone kind of has their own little method to madness. And um, I think one of the, I, I actually had sent over some of the questions. One that I just was kind of thinking of as I was talking to somebody else, a newer athlete that really didn't understand like the big picture. It was like, well, I'm training really hard now for the races, right? Like I don't have to train in the, in the fall. And I was like, Oh, they, okay, hold on. they really don't get any of this. So I think a good like (laughs) first question is how do you view like phases of training? And then how do you break up phases? And the reason I asked this is like, I came up with the very like, you know, okay, there's base and there's build, whatever that means to people. And then you race. And it was kind of like these three things. And I think, I just want to leave it there, but I don't know. I, I'm realizing like every coach might have their own terms or their own way. And I think this is just a really interesting question to sort of kick it off.
1: Yeah, well, how, how did you explain it to this guy? I'm just curious.
0: Oh, uh, really? We took steps. Back. I mean, he didn't understand like why we, you would ride endurance. And so we went back to like 101, like, hey, so I want to look at increasing aerobic fitness or what, and kind of explain him. What is what base is fitness? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> Yeah. You going hard and doing a threshold interval is not necessarily the fitness that you can or always want to do. And this is why. And this is what you're going to try and change in your body. And so it was – Um. and and I guess – well, I'm going to kind of answer the question from where I see it. You know, the build phase to me as I sort of – I don't know if my couple coaches when I first started actually called it that. But it was just sort of like free race stuff. And that's when the intervals got more heavy. And I think sometimes some coaches had me maybe do too many intervals and others were like, I don't want to say too hard, but um, there maybe wasn't the race focus that I needed. And it wasn't that they did it wrong. That was just kind of their way. And then the races came and it was like kind of race and recover. But I think that even is.
1: You use the races to get in shape sort of thing like that.
0: And no, well, and that was the other thing. One of the biggest races Battengill was April like 9th or 10th. And that was the A race. So no, I was getting in like race shape in probably end of February. And then we had, I was fortunate, we had training races if it if they weren't snowed out on the weekend in March in upstate New York. And so I would use those yeah. where you were. Yeah. Okay. I was we're gonna ask where were you based? Yeah, yeah I was in I, I was in that. Rochester. Ooh, so so yeah. <laughs> yeah, tough man. It was yeah. like the people that complain with Zwift, I'm like hey, exactly, you know, yeah, that's, no like, no that's before yeah.
1: Zwift, right?
0: Or, oh I my mean. god! I was, was of a dumb trainer. I upgraded to rollers, which was a life changer. But yeah, it was like how you know can you get the speakers on the laptop loud enough over any device that you're riding on? And it was yeah, it was a, it was a different struggle for sure. But you know you're motivated. <laughs> you want to come out and you you know yeah. got to hit it, totally, man. It definitely
1: made you feel like you could chew chew nails. It was like a, a scene from like Rocky Four, like in like a like a Russian basement or something. You could totally, like you know, spend three hours on rollers, like with one light bulb on in your basement, <laughs> you know, listening to like you know white noise, and totally you would uh come out like totally ready to tear it up.
0: Totally ready to tear it up, and it's so funny because this is the second podcast where a guy that I coach was Josh. He's like, "You're getting kind of soft." And I'm like, "Wait, what do you mean?" And he's like. <laughs> You're just used to be way more like hardcore, like you need to do this. And now if like things come up, you're kind of like, oh yeah, let's like, we can do this and this. I was like, am I like, am I getting stopped? I'm like, I I don't know if I can say.
1: You're wiser and more balanced. That's
0: that's a good, I appreciate that.
1: That's what I tell myself. Exactly.
0: Perfect. So. So yeah, with all that of me talking, what do you? How do you see that sort of big picture? How would you maybe, maybe even better way to say it with this guy? Like, what would you say to him, or to the listeners out there? Like, how can they view the year or years? Um, So it's not just.
1: Like, I, so you know, but I would have a lot of questions with that guy, like just where he's really figuring out where he's starting, right? Like, where is he? Like, what, what's what is he currently? What does he do for training now, right? So like you gotta like uh, you could have the best period periodized plan and and sort of somebody can and you, it could be like technically perfect right but if the guy can't do it or doesn't do it for whatever reason it doesn't really matter right and so i would see where that guy is what his fitness is what his skill set is ask him what tools he's using all that sort of stuff and so just and the key is this, starting at incremental progressions right so if he's been doing base mileage in some way that's great maybe dial that in to a certain way whether it's by intensity or, or stepping up the volume but um really i, I would give him a, a try to assess where he's at for sure and then just really look at it as like um tell him like that really we got to always get that baser foundation so he has some sort of complete fitness in a way so that he has some flexibility with the type what he's doing and then really for the for races and events we're sort of taking Uh, like kind of fitness and shaping it towards the specific need or demands of those events. Mm -hmm. Um, So like the base to me is like really the foundation of somebody's fitness. And then really with like their race prep is really the sharpness that we use. It's like, I use this analogy. It's like the size of the knife and then you can, you know, how you sharpen it depends on what you're trying to cut. Like, but the bigger the knife, the more you can damage, you can do for sure. You just, but the race prep is that sharpening. And what way do you want to do that? And if you do too much base, have a huge knife, but if it's dull, it doesn't matter. In the same sense, you sharpen the hell out of it, do too much, you can sort of wear down your base and,
0: and not have much
1: of a knife left at all. So it's about balancing it out for that guy.
0: I love it. You're about balance. I'm, I'm catching vibes of balance already, which I like.
1: Well uh, yeah, yeah, to a certain extent.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, any intense
1: endurance athlete can be totally.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's so speaking of base, maybe this is a good question that I get a lot from people. Zone two, endurance riding. Do you like people to follow heart rate, power, RPE, a mixture of things, or maybe something else?
1: Um, power, generally.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: I mean, I, I know some people that uh, we talk about this internally with coaches at CCNS, about you know, using heart rate in what context, but heart rate has a lot of variables to it. Um, so try, generally, we'll go by power. And we'll be using people's test results. We have a full suite, a full lab with um you know metabolic heart and blood draw and all that. So we'll figure out where their their fat oxidation peak is to so we'll really dial in what that zone is for them based off of power and heart rate. If they have a power meter, we'll absolutely get them to dial it in right there.
0: Cool. And do you have someone goes out for an endurance ride, and if their high end of endurance is 250, they're at like 249 every time. Do you care where they are in the zone? Is there oh, yeah. specific times low, high? What's your sort of way of telling them how to do that?
1: Well, I wish I had pictures or some charts out for this, our test results really. But we you know, what we do a, a gas analysis and we'll look at, and we'll be able to see exactly a, a curve as somebody's wattage goes up, right? We'll see this curve of fat oxidation And at its peak, we'll see that peak, and then it slowly goes starts to go down as you go beyond that sort of critical turning point. And along, you also see the production of lactic acid there. So really, we want them right in this middle of this zone of this like peak fat oxidation curve. And for most guys, um, you know, there's a generic sort of overarching view of like, you know, I'm putting this in a box here, but 55 to 75 percent of somebody's threshold for like zone two or endurance stuff. Mm-hmm. But really, if somebody has a great base, they could have that be closer to 75 or 80%. And if somebody has a miserable base, like they're a CrossFitter or something like that, and all they do is anaerobic stuff, they'll come in and they'll ha- it'll be absolutely 50 or 55%. And so that will completely change or pivot where that peak fat oxidation is. And that's will change what that relative percentage of threshold is. Um, and I try to tell them, like, listen, if you're shooting for the top end of this range, right? is like what we're doing is the middle of that range is your peak fat oxidation, right? Like, mm-hmm. So you're training just as inefficiently at burning fats and doing your base work well, training at the top end as you would if you were at the bottom end, because it's really like a, a pretty nice curve in a way for the most part. Mm-hmm. And you're doing just as much of a disservice training at the top end. And if anything, stressing yourself unnecessarily by doing a little bit too much work, it starts to get into a little bit more muscular stress and, different sort of metabolism there mm-hmm. but like you're not burning any more fat doing that than you are training at the very low end in this context if if we're dialed in with their zones
0: so what if they're not local do you just go by power in like more generic ranges or we'll try to get them tested
1: um we'll try to err on the side of caution if in doubt we'll go on the easier side for sure
0: mm. yeah So then VO2 max training, um, power still, or any use of heart rate in that? Definitely look
1: at heart rate to see uh, where for VO2 max work, like to make sure that they're really getting that like central cardiovascular system stress. Like, so we'll want to see a peak heart rate, if not on the first one, definitely in the second. And like, you know, when when they can't Reach that exhaustion point, or hit a peak heart rate. They're usually close to their max, at least, maybe not their absolute max. Mm-hmm. Um, then we know that they're starting to get tuckered out. So we'll we'll use that as a tertiary indicator for sure.
0: Cool. What uh, software do you guys use for analyzing power files?
1: Uh, a couple different. is the like WKO five. We'll use our in you know, our own. Um, We have some, our own charts and things and ways of processing stuff with some Python code that we use to like process in different ways. And then we'll use, um, we have our heat adjusted power app as well uh, on a website that guys can use to see their heat adaptation, that power. And then we'll see, and then of course, we'll look at the lab results, which, you know, is an Excel sheet. Um, So we've got a couple different angles there.
0: That's awesome. Do you uh, happen to follow Alan Cousins? <clears throat> he's uh, from Colorado. He's a physiologist. and I'm sure he has some other titles, but he's uh, a big zone two endurance guy and like, you know, trained for decades. But he has some chapters on a sub stack and he has one that's all about Python. And I'm like, what is it? Why? Why am I reading this? I don't know what this is. So that actually might be something you'd be interested in, but it was way over my head. So now, that's well, like l-
1: luckily we have. I- I'm not an expert myself, but we have, uh, or have had, uh, like Vivian Rindisbacher who's done some great work with us. And he's sort of like literally self taught himself a ton of uh Python stuff as we're just digging into this data. and We're noticing certain trends, we need to process it and like on mass levels. And he's done some really really cool stuff for us. And, um, you know, if you guys check it out at uh, heatadjustedpower.com, you can literally get. And take all of your data, import it into it, and you can literally see what your heat adaptation is. We've I've had some really, really interesting findings that, like, like totally reinforce things that you kind of know, but really on a quantifiable level, you're like, oh,
0: wow, this is. This what is are real. some like? What are the some of the things that pop up?
1: Like, like legit. If you end up, like, long story short, like paraphrasing, like any like data, right? Like, just so, so oversimplifying it, but for every five degrees over like 45 and 50 degrees, you're losing 1% off your FTP period. So like if you take like, and that's like the granted there are heat adapt- adapted people that, you know, if you're really adapted to heat, you could have like 0.8% off your FTP. If you're not adapted at all, it'd be 1.25, but that degradation is huge. And like mm-hmm. the impact of heat on the aerial efficiency is massive. And uh, we, then we noticed that actually, thanks to COVID and, and doing stuff in Zwift, where we had very controlled environments, mm. uh, we, you know, noticed that you know actually the, what it started is I was crushing it doing some Zwift stuff in my 55 degree basement with like an ice sock on my back and like three fans because I'm like like a thousand like dying a thousand deaths even though it's that cold, and then I go out and it's like it's 65, 70 degrees in humid outside to do the same sort of intervals that you're trying to do outside. And like, like couldn't get out of my own way, like doing 15 watts less than what I could do indoors, right? Wow. And it's like there's got to be something to this. And one or two years later, you, we like have like stuff like heat adjusted power. And it's so, so real, especially when guys think about how their fitness evolves throughout a season as it gets warmer and everything. Um, it's it's
0: huge. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me, that's awesome, especially because athletes that aren't familiar with that, as they their numbers might start to quote unquote go down. And I'm like, wait, it's 87 degrees where you rode, and they're like, but I mean, it was hot. But I'm like, yeah, there's that's a huge deal. So yeah, have a resource like that. That's awesome. I'll put this in the show notes so people can go check that out. Um, sticking with the VO2 max, one more question there. What do you do for? How do you prescribe different types of the intervals? Some people like 30, 30, some people like longer stuff. Do you choose for them? Is that like athlete driven a little bit? What's your sort of philosophy on that?
1: Whatever athletes will do mm. to start. It's, a, it's a start a little bit lighter. make sure they can complete it. And it really entirely depends on their feedback, but I mean, maybe you could start with like 30, 30 type stuff. Although that's probably more anaerobically contributed. You'd have to, really thread the needle on that. Um, but you could do like 40, 20 or stuff like that to ease somebody into it. But you're looking at a pretty nuanced thing there with that athlete. But we usually start with like a lot of data collection. And for us, we'll do some field tests and, and see where they are. And that just gives us some insights even into like, Hey, how do they pace these things mm-hmm. or, and like what is their tolerance for this sort of stuff look like? And that gives us such valuable feedback as a coach we're they're learning about themselves but we're learning about them and we can really build on that so we like we say to be able to talk with them and say hey listen like you just did this you know you can do this let's just shoot for this much more is really really powerful to help them sort of push their limits in a comfortable well, not comfortable but like doable way <laughs> yeah doable right? definitely a better choice yeah <laughs> exactly it's, like it's simple but not easy,
0: yeah. Yeah, it's man, you're one of the first people that has brought up the anaerobic aspect of 3030s. And I've tried to lean away from athletes that already have big anaerobic capacity. I'm like, even though you like doing those, I'm more concerned that's making you more anaerobic and you might not need that. But Bingo. people don't seem to talk about that, and it's like, oh, well, I like the short stuff. and. I don't want to. I don't want to do the five minute interval. I'm like, well, sometimes what you're bad at and don't like is what you need to do. Unfortunately, and so
1: yeah, yeah.
0: exactly. I, I appreciate you bring that up. Yeah. So one thing, uh, people, I hate getting off the bike, but I do enjoy the gym. But I'm always curious. Strength training is that a yes or a no? And maybe who yes, who no? Uh,
1: yes, and well, it, it depends on the athlete, but in uh, the context, but. Winter uh, strength training, especially for rounding somebody out, injury prevention, things like that. Absolutely, everybody should be doing that in some capacity. If, like, assuming they have a certain level of training maturity and the time available, mm-hmm. uh, but then you know, if somebody's going out for like you know on the track, absolutely, but that will be more important. Um, but you know, uh, in terms of for, I guess we've got to talk about like it in a case study for an example athlete, right? If it's some a road race or a gravel race or something like that. Probably not. Maybe there'd be some light maintenance work, but not during the season. And during their base mileage period, you could get into some weightlifting components, but um, that's generally going to be about injury prevention and sort of rounding the body out more than it's going to be about contributing to the, you know, real performance on the bike outside of like something shorter than 20 seconds.
0: Mm. Okay. What do you think about, um, I mean, this is a huge question, but going down the nutrition wormhole, what do you think are some of the biggest things that athletes need to be aware of for on the bike, Uh, you know, fueling the rides and all that?
1: For of the thing, biggest things for people to be aware of?
0: Or just, you know, it's a hard question because there's so many things we're yeah. going talk about nutrition yeah. on the bike, but – um I guess how do you address nutrition with let's say a cat, three, four athlete, and you know, maybe they know that they need to eat some carbs or they need to eat a well-balanced meal, but do you guys, you know, where do you take them? How do you how do you walk them down a path to really getting that dialed? Uh well, we have a
1: fueling calculator, uh, like sheet that guys can use to put in their like their their what they're doing and just calculate what their what fueling needs they have depending on the intensity that they're doing. Mm. So that's like really dialed-in way to do it. But if somebody's just starting out and just getting into it, we'll totally be a little bit more careful with, you know, we wouldn't send them probably down that super-specific rabbit hole. It can be a little bit overwhelming. But a great rule of thumb would be to just shoot for taking a third of the calories you're spending per hour on the bike. I like, mean, if you look at your kilojoules per hour, just mm-hmm. shoot for that as a starting point, just checking that every hour and you use that to gauge how you should be fueling going forward.
0: For the more advanced athletes, what do you think of fasted or carb restricted training?
1: Definitely for like, especially time crunched athletes. Um, uh, we t- make sure that people are doing some, some what we call fasted rides or, you know, carb free rides to help, emphasize the fat oxidation a little bit more for sure.
0: And so, <clears throat> so that's more for time crunched athletes as opposed to those with more time, it actually works. all the
1: above, frankly, but like, I find that it can especially be helpful for like guys that can't get out for like the four hour rides and whatnot. Like if they're really, if they're willing and it works, they can definitely do that. But then, um, honestly, like, especially for, even know, you know, the pros that we work with will totally have them do facet rides when it makes sense. But the only one is purely like what we call metabolic endurance, like fat oxidation focused.
0: Mm, Okay. Seems like you guys have a ton of resources at your fingertips for analyzing what the athlete is doing. What do you think are some of the biggest signs of fatigue that you see? And what what are you guys using to monitor that?
1: Actually, believe it or not, the best monitor is the person's like feedback. Yeah. Because the fatigue is such a relative thing. You know, it's like you could say, is this fatigue because of their riding or are they stressed? They're like, got been getting six hours of uh, sleep every night for the last couple of days. Or, like, you know, we just mentioned, is it hot out? Right. Like, or, or mm-hmm. like, you know, for a great example, especially almost equally as important, like, as um, heat, time of day try to get somebody to go out and do a, like a vo2 max workout at like 6 or 7 a.m when they haven't been doing it like like clockwork for a long time you might as well be sucking a golf ball through a garden hose <laughs> it's it's crazy I maybe mean, i don't know if the last time you tried it but go for it I dare
0: uh, you. Uh, so i'm uh in florida we ride real early so i'm doing those at like 5 15 so i'm a bad example but i hear what you're saying yeah. i'm i'm the I'm more, when I see someone doing that at 6 p.m., I go to bed at like 8, 8.30. So I'm like, God, I can't believe they're doing that at 6. I'm like half asleep already. Totally, so yeah, yeah. Just different people. But it's yeah. so, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. What? What's, is there a time, I, I feel like people are sort of just have different thoughts on this one of when they are feeling a little fatigued, when it's like, no, go do the ride. This is the time to push through. Or are you more yeah. in the camp of... Okay, no, you're fatigued. I would rather you rest and come back to the next workout fresher. What's what's your balance with that?
1: It's like so so dependent on the guy and the, and what they're what the workout they're cracking on, right? Mm-hmm. Like if it's endurance stuff and they're just like cracking in that way, get from the duration, that's one thing. Uh, it's just there's so many like because honestly, that's the most valuable time, right? Like when somebody fails a workout like, or, or can't complete the training for whatever reason, whatever that reason is, is going to give us really, really helpful information to help them work through that, right? Like, it could be a fitness thing, could be psychological or mental, right? Mm-hmm. Could be the training fatigue straight up, but, um, and, or it could just be like stress and other things going on in their life where they just mentally crack and need to get off the bike to go do something else. Mm-hmm. So for us, it's, um, the biggest indicator is just like, Hey, you failed this workout. What happened? like what do you mean what happened i stopped like they 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 usually give you some sort of th- like more feedback than that right they'll say well like like for instance you can see it when somebody uh and you see this in like the tour versus or we see this even in people in testing at the office right Some the guys are really motivated right if one is your job your life like your livelihood right you you're not, you fail and you have a long, slow, awful, painful death, right? Like there's no like, there's no like, uh, like uh, as opposed to somebody's going along, going along and then they say, eh, I'm done. They just sit up, right? Mm-hmm. When you see that in a file or you're hearing them talking about why well, they sat up because they, they, they quit, that's a mental thing. If you see somebody like slowly cracking as their heart rate continues to go up and they're struggling, they're motivated as hell, but they just can't do it. It's another conversation entirely.
0: Hmm. I love that. That you really paint the picture accurately because <laughs> I'm thinking of like myself both times when that happens. Where you're just like, no, totally. this is. The, I just don't. Not today. And you're, yeah, it's like there's just <laughs> yeah. other things on your mind. You're just not ready to go in that box and just try to crush. So that's yeah. Yeah, that's, that's really good. What do you think you've learned about coaching that's made you better at coaching?
1: It's just all about people. I mean, the technical stuff, all that sort of stuff, just like the technology, but the technical stuff of like, we love all of our gadgets and our tools and our physiological stuff. But I mean, it's that person to person connection that we're some empathy, some accountability, like you working with that person for what works for them and what makes them feel
0: successful is everything. That's good. I was really, I mean, when did you start coaching? You've been doing this a long time.
1: Long time, man. It scares me to like say it out loud. I think, like professionally, literally since, since 2006. Six, like, yeah. it's everything, you know, only thing I've done. I, I've had some side hustles and whatnot. We we found like a nonprofit for our, our juniors in the state here in Connecticut. Uh, like that's not a side hustle, but we run some events. I think I had to reschedule this because I had a, a meeting with the city of cool. New Haven. Right? Yeah. Uh. But that, and that's just fun and support of the community and whatnot. But, like, in terms of, like, what it would do for a living, it's been yeah. time since 2006. That's,
0: I, I love your answer because that's one thing that I've personally had to really, you know, and I'm sure you have this too, is you're racing and you're trained and you have your own biases and you have to shelve that and really look at this person and hear them. And I love the saying, you have two ears and one mouth, use the ratio. And it's like, I just... <laughs> yep. I am I'm, I'm, it's encouraging to hear you say that. Cause it's one thing that I try to get better at is like, okay, just shut up and listen to what they're telling you. And it's, everybody it's, is different. Exactly. Um,
1: and hearing it from other coaches, like, like you're saying, right. Like just that project, like, and we, you know, I have some other co- great coaches like uh, that you see and there is all about their people skills. And, mm-hmm. but like, and, but you also see they, we all project at a certain point, especially early on, you're projecting your own baggage mm-hmm. into this, into what you're doing. Like, right. If you hate field testing, because you just dread the performance anxiety, it's fear failure, all these sorts of things. Right. And you insist on not doing it for your athletes. You're probably doing them a little bit of a disservice, right? Like mm-hmm. you can look into the tea leaves and try to figure out what their threshold is by doing something else, but like to have some, to have that connection, to be able to hold each other accountable to hitting a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, all that sort of stuff like that's just one example i know a lot of guys are like anti field test efforts because of all the anxiety it provokes it, it, it provokes right it's, it's huge but there's so many other versions of that on nutrition on like you know the types of rides you will and won't do the types of tires you'll use all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff because you got a flat at this really important race one time like they like you know it doesn't mean that those tires are horrible and you can't ever have an athlete use them
0: mm-hmm. right it's okay uh, for those people listening on audio i have a huge grin on my face because there are always athletes that are like no 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 like i have wko2 and this is what my ftp it says in, in the thing and i'm like okay now i need you to go back that up because i don't think it's that and this is why yeah. i don't think it's that and they're like but but, but, but but the algorithm like dude yeah dude please it's a you to, when you feel yeah. fresh when you feel great in the next 10 days Prove that to me. And then we will have that conversation again. And they're like, damn it. I hate Like, So this is always, there's always like a clip that is perfect. I'm like, just send to a couple people like, listen to Aiden. He's been doing this a long time. You need to back it up. So. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. If you get the crap
1: data in, you get crap data out, right? Like you need to, you need to put it out there every once in a while, not all the time. Don't turn your endurance rides into a field test, please. Or every, every interval is in a test, but. You gotta, you gotta put some maximal efforts out there, and you're gonna learn more about yourself than, than maybe you want to. But it's critical, critical stuff for sure, in in a, in a positive way. You're always gonna improve because of it if you, you take the right.
0: You made me think of something when you said every interval is not a test. Let's say somebody has, and maybe I don't know if you prescribe these, but like like a four by eight threshold, maybe super threshold, whatever it might be. They're not hitting the exact watts; it's a little bit lower. Do you recommend people slug through that? Or is like, no, you're not good enough, just ride endurance and we'll circle back to something else?
1: So sorry, say that workout again then?
0: Uh like so say it's a harder workout, maybe like a four by eight at 110% FTP or a VO2 max five by five or i don't know the exact workouts that you prescribe but all that sounds awful but that's i get it yeah okay yeah Yeah. (laughs) something something tough but they're like they're below what the like recommended lower end of watts would be what do you say you know okay hey you're not riding threshold ride sweet spot for that duration or is like hey you're not getting done what we want to get done just bag it actually
1: like you know for for guys that um Well, I'll say this in the sense of like for guys that when they're feeling good or like for the art, my overachievers, which are more often than not, that that's the challenge more than anything. uh, I'll usually say, hey, if you feel good, go harder. And I'll usually specify this in the workout. If you feel good, go harder for these intervals versus if you feel good or like the go longer. Right. And I'll specify like go more intense or go uh, extend the interval depending on like the context of what we're trying to do, right? If it's mm-hmm. like tempo, of, like a VO2 max, like, maybe go harder. It all, all depends on where we are in that phase or what we're trying to prepare for. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that same sense, when somebody's cracking, um, generally in most contexts, they're better served by just, for me, I'm just going overarching rule thumb here. I'd say they're better off back out the watch and completing the effort like at the maximal quality effort that they can do. Okay. Um, and part of that for me is to make sure that honestly, because let's just say it was five by fives, right? That, work, that five by five minute VO2 max workouts, which is pretty bloody hard for anybody if you're doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, the incentive to stop at three, three times in, right? Like if you know that you're starting to crack and fall below, right. Is, is real. Cause you can get out of that, 10 more minutes of excruciating pain, right? But even if you're failing those workouts, especially on a VO2 max, for a great example, right? You cannot be hitting the power, but you absolutely will still be hitting VO2 max. You assume you have the fitness to keep going. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even though you're not hitting that power target, Mm -hmm. you can like, you're still, your anaerobic reserves are sort of tanked, but you're still maxed out on the aerobic side. And as long as it's a maximal effort, absolutely, you're still hitting VO2 max and it's a win. So- you can you can it depends on it depends on a couple things you hear we say that a lot because you know like, like in this with the science background nothing's super concrete like hands down all the time but mm-hmm. um yeah that's generally the rule of thumb that'll i go by as a default just finish it out at the best of your ability
0: and would you say also there might be like a mental benefit to doing that i mean it's just you're totally. like hurting after 15 minutes like damn okay i'm pretty i could easily as you said i could back out and not do the last 10 but when you go back To the bat, I think there's a big psychological, when it's hurting in the race, you're like, damn it, I just did those VO2 max and like, you know, just a bump in the self-confidence. Yeah, exactly. Okay. What do you think is the best piece of advice you've ever received as athlete or coach?
1: Best piece of advice. Best piece of advice. That's a good one. I'd have to say, I can't, you know, I can't, I can't remember the, like, it, honestly, like it was, it's a totally irrespective of the, uh, of like coaching necessarily, but it was like a great, like I had a team director that we did a, a recon ride of this, of the cor- this UCI route in Belgium. And we did this, we were going over this, like these climbs and like, it was, we did a recount ride with like 12 guys and they're going to select the besides checking out the, the route and the climbs, they're also going to select the team from how well we did on these climbs. So then I smashed it. Um, like it was probably top two or three every time. And he, this guy posted up the, uh, the team selection. And I was the first alternate. Wow. Right. And so I was like, huh, Kind of dejected a little bit like kind of like bummed because like i swear I performed well in this recon ride right mm. and uh one of the guys that didn't do it as well like went to the team director and said hey dude like what are you doing like why wouldn't you put in on the team and he said oh because you know it needs to like take take like figure out to how to take what's hit what's his right like to like sort of have that like fighting chance because my actual my challenge especially in belgium if you've ever raced there is like like being in a, like being in a pace like being in a killer crosswind like being in super aggressive pack handling at our time like managing like like fighting tooth and nail for my spot and pack positioning and stuff like that and this was his like sort of psychological way of like getting me to say like no forget you guys like I deserve this get the hell out of my way and I'm going to like take this spot like and come to him and say it and so he literally this kid said hey you can take my spot but the director was literally waiting for me to come to him and say Um, Hey, like I was like, I expect you to come stomping into my office and say, dude, what the hell? Give me that. And it was part of like this, this, like every, every opportunity in this context in cycling as a sport can be a lesson about, you know, how do you, how to help somebody step up their game in a variety of ways. I just always remember that and refer back to that story uh, in a couple of different ways, especially when working with juniors or working with people in their pack positioning or even working with like finishing on an interval, right? Like you know, ride like you like you deserve it.
0: Dude, I love that. that is, mm. That's so, that is so awesome. Oh man, I could. That's powerful. That's like like you said. It's not just cycling. That's life. Like sometimes you just gotta go take it. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. That's yep. incredible. Man, I don't know how to beat that. That's the answer of the day. That is like pure mic drop. What? You-? <laughs> yeah. yeah <totally. laughs> what it's do you it, think it, like that's
1: why i like it so much it, like, there's a bunch of ways that it applies for sure so
0: there's so many thoughts going through my head i'm gonna definitely remember that one that i appreciate you sharing that that is awesome what do you think is overrated in training these days if anything overrated yeah or and i um, my next one is gonna be underrated so both
1: maybe i'll yeah, probably hear from like their lawyers or something but like uh whoop whoop bands generally or uh, rings and things like that um anything that's that? black box like that where you can't really understand the context of like they're not they're not sharing the sort of way again i think they i've gotten some glimpses talking to people internally a little bit but but the hrv heart rate variability recovery score stuff is absolutely valuable in in a very controlled circumstance. And this can be great, but like a lot of people are looking at this stuff and they're getting feedback that they're taking out of context, right? And I feel like that's our job as coaches, right? Is to help people understand all the stuff that they hear on podcasts, right? Maybe mm-hmm. somebody takes some something I'm saying out of context and run with it because that's what they want to hear. Mm-hmm. Or uh, like in in low read on any con- so much content out there and we're helping, we got to help them contextualize it. In, in for them personally right and how is that affecting them mm-hmm. so for a whoop or aura ring and you get this recovery score based off of heart rate variability measurements and things like that you gotta realize that there you have to have you have to be methodical about the data that you're getting from that and making sure that it's consistent so that you can actually have a reading that's going to give you meaningful feedback but i can't tell you how many guys like you know i talk to you and there's well my whoop band says i'm not recovered today mm-hmm. or i've my whoop band says I should be an absolute monster today, but you know I felt like crap for whatever reason, and it seems to be just more distracting than good. Where it is really helpful, I have to say. To, uh, disclaimer is to just make people mindful of their routines, their consistency, and help them think about their sleep. Help, help people actively think about their recovery, and that that is absolutely very, very powerful. So that's where you're getting nine percent of the gains there.
0: Mm, that's awesome. What's underrated? Underrated.
1: Uh, I go back to oh, what's underrated. Honestly, the simple stuff, just consistency, discipline, like having a sense of a routine, which is like oddly the like, the simplest thing to say, but the hardest thing to do. Um, by far, people want like the latest, greatest hack. They want this, like this, that, like. You know, ketones or like this, like pill that they can take that's going to give them this edge. Where like if they just dialed it in consistency and routine wise, even training at the same time on a regular basis throughout the day or throughout their week, right? Well, that all that can make such a bigger difference, both short and long run, than any of the sort of hacks in a way.
0: Mm. Trip? What is it? Tripping over dollars on the way to get a dime? Yeah. Yeah. It. Yeah. So I'm thinking too of you've got Ben and Tanner. I'm not familiar with the other coaches. You got some shredders that can absolutely destroy a crit. And you know as well as they that it's not just power. And I feel like we're kind of in this few year span of it's like watts, 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 watts. How what are some of the things you try to educate? Maybe a crit racer or a cross racer. So on the skill side, and like how do they go do it besides like, hey, go in a parking lot and rail some corners? Are there any things that you sort of point them towards besides power and training, like that aspect?
1: Yeah, you know, you know, I was just talking about this with actually who's uh Danny Summerhill, I'd be familiar with. Yeah, and he's and like a super stab, a super experienced guy, right? Like is placed then a bunch of like, I mean, he's just second in Athens, maybe three times in a row, uh, for better or worse. And, and, uh, and what I was, we're actually hosting this advanced crit clinic that people can like register for, and they'll actually be able to have a sort of uh, um, uh, presentations from Ben, Tanner, I should ask Danny to guest speak, Katrina, Hunter, on a variety of different subjects. And the stuff that Danny actually submitted was really, really great because he sort of he, he just emphasized the importance that if he goes out still, like with the, how much that experience that guy has, right? And does figure eights in a parking lot until he like gets close to understanding where or, like until he scrapes the pedal and he gets comfortable with where that sort of threshold is and he really mm-hmm. continues to do that relatively well, like basic bike handling skills practice. Like every year we like clockwork. Right, like, and he stays on it throughout, the, or on a very regular basis, it um, like, and kind of like those simple things are like what I, I always find are impressive. And trying to make sure that guys can get their pack handling dialed, like trying to talk to them about what's going on in their head when they are struggling with their pack handling is huge. Um, kind of like the racing, like, like holding down the position in the field, like you deserve, deserve to be there, right, is a huge part of it, right? especially with how. Sort of controlling a lot of dominant teams can be like mm-hmm. you know if they see they look over and they don't recognize that jersey or who that is right they can totally challenge kind of us shut the door on you and that's mm-hmm. really a hard thing to manage especially for guys coming up through the ranks mm-hmm. so like it's like you know the basic skills are one thing the confidence by handling in the pack and holding positions huge um, you know knowing where to place yourself like in the final sprint and in, in, in a given context is gigantic and it totally depends on the circumstance but. know if in doubt be too far up front rather than too far back right um there's there's so much to that where like you know talking about wattage talking about power like that's where you put it all together like the power and fitness really just gives you more opportunities to like make more mistakes and try more things and hopefully Mm -hmm. have it work out more shots on goal Mm -hmm. you know
0: shots on goal that is a good analogy right there i like that what is Something that might excite you about the future of training and coaching, whether it be technology or training styles or anything that pops out when you're kind of looking down the road of where maybe even your business is going?
1: Um, Technology, honestly, for, for us, like I don't know where it's going, is I said about the I said about like a, how some of the racing has evolved into these pack handling, mass pack handling, sort of like or sorry, mass uh, pack events like good fondos or the gravel grinders and stuff like that. I think it gives mm-hmm. us an opportunity to share with other people in the community at all different levels, right? Mm-hmm. You can all go to a race together mm-hmm. and ha- share that car ride up and car ride back, which is half the fun, and like go and throw down, right? You know, like your own like at your own level and with your own like measure of success, but in the same field in some way, Mm -hmm. and everybody can kind of be pushed. I love regular, like of course, classic real road racing and all that sort of stuff too. But a lot of people view that's the fondos, gravel grinder stuff as kind of like a, like a decline in the, in racing in some way. And for me, that's just, it's evolution, you know, Mm -hmm. like people got to get used to that because it's a model that's sticking around. Mm -hmm. it's much easier to promote those events and to better embrace it
0: one of my mentors was this is many years ago really kind of when fondos were kind of picking up more steam and he's he's like you don't do fondos you're a bike racer and i was like what he's like i'm like but it sounds kind of fun and somebody else said hey is there an entry fee i said yes and he said is there a start line i said yes he said is there a finish line i said yeah he said that's a bike race and i was like yeah Okay, man, like, and so yeah. it's just funny how people are split on that. But yeah, I'm with you. I like, I'm one of event that I'm really looking forward to is I have a friend that uh, we've, we've never done a race together. We're doing this gravel race in Ohio. It's 130 something miles. And we're, I'm just like pumped to go with him. And we're gonna start and we're at different levels. But it's just what you're saying. And that's
1: exactly that. That's exactly.
0: the adventure is the whole part of this. So yeah, that's cool.
1: Yeah, and like last question. Minute. Go ahead. On the same, so no, like like actually the stuff like Zwift and other things like that, I think which gives people an opp- same, that same opportunity. We have like Wednesday morning rides where everybody's on Discord, right? And everybody's mm. just like doing, usually it's endurance. It's, we're all talking about, a lot of guys were participating in the ZRL series throughout the winter.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: like we get sometimes 15 to 20 people on this group discord channel all riding endurance the next day like just going easier right they're Mm -hmm. all just sharing stories about their own races and goofing around and and just like covering every subject under the sun appropriate and not and it was (laughs) it was awesome and like in that sort of being able to share that with people of all ages in ability levels right it's been just as rewarding for us as coaches as it has been for them to do developing that community and like that's the sort of stuff that i really do Find enjoyable because we learn stuff from them, people learn stuff from us, and it makes everybody better.
0: 100%. I yeah. definitely, going back to the, one of the first comments, I could have used something like Discord when I was in the basement with the dumb trainer looking at the Dude. wall. <laughs> yeah. It <laughs> yeah. would have been amazing. Lifesaver. Lifesaver so i'll end with a very wide open question uh to more for like maybe the newer rider what do you think is just a number one tip or piece of advice that you would give to somebody that has caught the cycling bug they want to get better from wherever they're at to where they go hey man i want to get better at this what 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 wise words can you pass along to them
1: After you get the basic skills, right, like the, like to handle your bike and things like that, find a group, find a community, like like, like and find and hook up with that group ride right? that club that team maybe, mm-hmm. uh, but like find buddies that you can share it with. I think all of us started with like any of us that's been have been in it for a long time have had like a community base that we've always relied on, mm-hmm. and all the success performance wise in the world doesn't matter if you don't have anybody to share it with it's mm. so, like in like we get a lot of guys that you know they do a group ride and then you know first you're anxious about whether or not you can even keep up and then next thing you know you realize you can and then you start working your way through like the ranks of like that group ride that's where it all starts and like mm. it's just that on repeat whether you're doing a local training crit or racing a uci race and you're, you're just trying to figure out that crew right like in like that community aspect and you work your way through that and that's where we sort of think about it in a lot of different ways when it comes to goal setting but if you're if you're if you're as you get more into it if you're like ghosting the group on a like, very regular basis like it doesn't matter how strong you get it doesn't matter how perfect your intervals are you're not going to have fun and, and you're not going to be in it for very long
0: mm-hmm. longevity uh man you're I always when I get the opportunity, got to give a shout out to Genesee Valley Cycling Club in Rochester. It's uh, we had Tuesday night training races. I needed that in my life so much, and I looked forward to them so much. And when you when I got that first W of like the B group, and I was like, oh my god, I did something. And yeah, you, just the friendship. I'm going back to see my parents this uh, summer, and I'm like, okay, what training race are they having this week on Tuesday night? And you know, it's just, I'm I'm missed that. That is not everywhere. So if someone's listening, and you have something like that, you know, don't take it for granted because the the people, the groups, yeah, it's incredible. So, man, Aiden, I appreciate you doing this. This was awesome. A lot of great knowledge from all your expertise to pass on to people. Uh, any final words for the listeners?
1: No, no. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate the uh, opportunity and oh, man. it's great to connect.
0: Yes. Likewise. Hopefully cross paths on a bike one of these days in real life. And everybody, thanks for listening. We'll post all the links to Aiden and you can follow along and hit all the resources that he had mentioned before. And we'll talk to you soon.